sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. the offering. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have given us your very best. That you sent Jesus to die, that we will have life and live. And you have told us in your way that we should give because you desire to give back to us good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. We will cause men to give to our bosom. Thank you for this morning and for your people and their gift. May your blessing be upon these. May you return to them a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, you don't, your aiming does not look like some people who are excited. Hallelujah. Yes. It's a wonderful Sunday morning for us here at Legon. Amen. You can see all the things that we have gone through already. And uh, this morning, God has given us a wonderful lady of God to speak to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Now, I have been listening to her. On the radio, every Saturday morning, I am able to make it. Saturday morning at 9 a.m., if you open to Sweet Melodies 94.3, you will hear her speak. So there is no end to the messages that you can get. Hallelujah! But this morning, we have among us the wife of our own bishop, Bishop Dahiwad Mills, the presiding bishop of Lighthouse Chapel International. You know, Bishop has been here a number of times to bless us, and this blessing won't be different. Amen. She is actually an international conference speaker, and in addition, has a special uh, ministry uh, to women called daughters, you can, you can make it. I see some people already telling me what I need to say. Thank you very much. Then also the president of called by his side ministry. This is a special one to uh, uh, the pastor's wives. And in addition also, she is the president of Compassion International Ministry, which is a ministry to prisoners. Can you imagine that? Give a hand clap to Jesus. <laughs> Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills is a mother of four children. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, here is our speaker this morning, Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills. You are welcome, madam. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you so much for all your appreciation. But if that clap was for me, forget about me and give a resounding applause to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he who sits on the circle of the earth, the God who never changes. Give it to him. Give it to him. All the adoration, all the praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your presence this morning. Your word says that unto you shall the gathering of all these people be. Lord, thank you that we are confident that you are here with us. This morning, we subject ourselves to you. Let your Holy Spirit have the preeminence. Lord, cleanse this vessel and let it speak us of the oracles of God. Let the Spirit of the Father speak through these vessels and these lips of clay, Lord. And let the word of God not come back void, but let it accomplish that for which it is being sent. I come against every resistance to the word of God. I pull down everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And I lift up the knowledge of Jesus and I say that this word shall fall on good soil and yield much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm very excited to be here this morning. I always say that Legon holds a lot of wonderful memories for me because I was privileged to have come to this wonderful premier and only university in my view. <laughs> Amen. You have University of Ghana and then the rest. Do you understand? Yeah. And then also, I have good memories of being here because by the grace of God, when I look back, I have no regrets. I don't think that, oh, what type of life did I live here? Or did I labor for God enough? Or was it wasted years? By the grace of God, it was no such thing. So I give God the glory and I pray that you too will have the same story. Amen. And then, last but not the least, this is where I met my husband. It's very fertile ground to find your future partner. Brothers, amen. When you leave these walls and you go into the working world, it's not that you will not find a beloved, but it's not as easy. And then I find that having found my beloved here, you have the privilege of seeing the person in all the shades and seasons. When you go to the person's room, she just woke up. No makeup. That's how it is when you marry. Amen? When you eat, you just eat whatever you have. But when you start working, you become MD. You become this. You are not even sure why the person wants to marry you. Amen? And most of you brothers, you are very lanky, skinny sisters. Don't worry, marriage will improve them. Amen. <laughs> so may God cause you to have eyes for the future. But that's not what we are talking about this morning. That was an aside. This morning I've been given the topic, discipled to make disciples. Discipled to make disciples. Now turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. And I hope to God that you brought your Bibles. Amen? It's the most important book in your life. No matter what you are learning, what you are becoming, if you don't have a Bible, hmm. when the devil comes knocking at your door, it's not the constitution of Ghana. Hmm. It's not what your mother told you. It's what the word of God says. That will save you. So whilst you are here, Immerse yourself in the word of God. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 19. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. 
Now, many of us know this verse, and especially the part that says that, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. But that is just a suffix. There's a prefix that you should do this, 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 and then teach them to observe whatsoever I commanded you. And then, and lo, I'm with you. Amen? So we have to accomplish the prefix of the suffix. Amen? There's something that precedes the, and lo, I'm with you to the end of the earth. It is when you are in obedience to God that he's with you to the end of the world. So Jesus, first of all, said, All power in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go ye therefore. Because he knows that to make disciples, you are powerless without the power of God. Amen? And he says that we should go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and it doesn't end there, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, this is often known as the Great Commission. And what has happened is that we are supposed to be discipled. We are supposed to be followed up. We are supposed to be nurtured so that we grow. And then when we grow, we are also supposed to bear fruit after our own kind. We are supposed to also be fruitful. You know, but the Christians of today don't make disciples. And Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make disciples. It means that disciples don't just happen by circumstances, by coincidence, and just by chance. It is a conscious effort that we need to make disciples. Amen? If something has to be made, it has to be manufactured. If something has to be made, it has to be intentional. If something has to be made, it has to go through processes. So if Jesus said, make disciples, then we need to make an intentional effort to make disciples. Now, I think that our generation was very well discipled. But I'm not sure whether we or you, I'm another generation, have produced the type of disciples you are supposed to produce. I have my doubts. And as I was waiting on God, the Lord said to me, there are many reasons why we are not making disciples. And I said, Lord, really? Like what? He took me to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15 to 16. Let's turn to our Bibles and do not be tired of turning to your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you there? Some of you, you know where to find everything. Fufu at Bush Canteen. These shoes are here, but you don't know where to find the word of God. The word of God is the most important thing in your life. Amen. The sisters, you know where to find mascara. These things that they don't enhance your beauty too. Amen. But if you will learn to find and to know and to meditate on scripture, it will make such a difference in your life. Second Corinthians chapter 4, is that what I said? Okay. Are you there? Yes. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. Through the gospel. Amen. In Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. Now, let me ask you. Paul was saying, in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. What about you? Have you given birth to anybody? Amen. What have you produced in your work with God? You say you are a Christian. Is there anybody you can point to on campus that I have begotten you in the gospel? Some of us, we are godfathers of sin. Godmothers of sin. We teach people. This is how to fornicate. This is how to be gay. This is how to tell lies to the girls. You have begotten people in sin. How about begotten people, begetting people in the gospel? Is there anybody you can point to in your life? That this person I brought to Christ, this person I nurtured in the things of God, 
First person I introduced Jesus Christ to. Most of us don't have any such thing in our lives. We are just used to church activities. Activities. Busy, busy, busy. When I was a, a girl growing up, my mother used to work us very hard. Cut onions, bake meat pies, make cakes, do this. Today I'm grateful for it. But when I was growing up, I was not grateful for it. And as we walked up and down in the morning, she would say, come. And then I'm empty, busy. And some of us in the church, empty, busy. You are busy, but no results. You sing, you shout, you jump, but you don't have any disciple. In Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. I thank God that by the grace of God, I can point to people and say, in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you in the gospel. In Christ Jesus, I nurtured you in the gospel. And some of the people even, sometimes I'm on a bus riding or I'm at an airport. Many years ago, I was a student in Legon. They closed down the universities. And my husband said, why don't you start a fellowship in the area where you live in Takrade? We did. And we started to go on dawn broadcast. This is a very quiet residential area, Beach Road, where the people feel very good and you would think that nobody will give their lives to Christ. But so many people gave their lives to Christ. And we kept ourselves busy by just following them up, bringing them to Christ. And it, it brings such fulfillment, you know. And many years gone, some of the converts, I don't even know them. But as I sit at airports, I walk along the road, or I'm in a bus, somebody comes to me and says, Oh, in 1983, you preached, and I gave my life to Christ. And today, I'm a lady pastor. Today, I'm in this ministry. Today, I'm doing this for God. In the gospel, I have begotten you. What about you? What have you begotten apart from sin? Giving your friends bad advice. You are a godfather, godmother of sin. Godmother of bad advice. Let's go here. When we go to this man, he will say this. When you see him smile, then the money will come. And then you do, you see, nurturing people in the wrong things. How about if you change it and begin yourself to know God? And after you've known God, to bring forth fruit in your own season and in your own image. Amen. Now, as, as I was saying, as I waited on God, I was asking God, why are we not bringing forth fruit? And the Lord said, because there are many reasons. One of the reasons is we haven't received like precious faith. Our faith is not precious to us. Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verse 1, that we have received like precious faith. The same faith, which is precious. It was precious before and we have received that. But... The Christians of today, so-called professing Christians, do we think that our faith is precious? We don't. We think that other things are precious, but our faith is not precious to us. And that is why Islam and other religions are the fastest growing religions in the world today. It may not be the largest, but it's the fastest growing. Why? Because they deem their faith very precious. And they are prepared to die for what they believe. They are prepared to do suicide bombing for what we be they believe. You, you say you believe. But even to wake up and come to church this morning, Ayeka. And even when we are coming to the house of God, it's as if we, we need a crane to pull us. We are coming like this. But when it's a jam or they say a pie, there's food. Look at your zeal. If you want to know where your heart is, look at your reactions towards things. It will show you where your heart is. When you are going to a party or you want a new dress, it's beyond that gutter, beyond that smelly uh, kiosk, but you will go with zeal. But when it comes to the things of God, you know, we have a certain attitude to the things of God. And why do we have that attitude? Because our faith is not precious to us. There are other things that are precious to you. Unfortunately, all those things are ephemeral, temporary, and passing. Even your husband is passing. Your wife is passing. The only thing that lasts forever is our God and his word. Amen. 
But you have put all your zeal into that relationship with that foolish boy. He's always telling you lies. But that thing is more precious to you than a relationship with Jesus Christ. That thing is more precious to you than making disciples or doing what he asked you to do. That thing is more precious to you than your faith. God loved you and gave his life for you. That foolish Peter, he does not even give his time to you, let alone his life. And yet you sacrifice everything for him. And your faith lies fallow, lies redundant, achieving nothing. Like precious faith. I would say my faith is very precious to me. It has seen me through many dark days. It has given me strength for so many things. And when you think something is precious, you guard it. When you think something is precious, and even when you are giving it to somebody, you, it's so precious, you, say, you know, I just want to share this precious thing with you. With you. This precious faith, this great faith that is greater than gold. But because your faith is not precious to you, you cannot also make disciples. Amen. The second reason why we are not making disciples is because we are embarrassed about our faith. Sometimes, you know, when I first got born again in Wesley Girls, I wanted a small Bible so that when I'm going for the meeting, nobody will see the Bible. Because when it's big, they'll say, eh, are you SU? So you are Crefe, eh? So you are... But I was then a young Christian. But as I grew up in the things of God, I even wanted a big Bible, a shiny Bible that tells everybody that I am for Jesus. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every man that believeth. Amen. He is not ashamed, but you are ashamed. And you are ashamed because you are a very lukewarm Christian. So you feel that if you say, oh, I'm Kriffe, or I'm very serious about God, or you show that you are very serious, then now people will be looking at you and saying, ah, if you are Kriffe, why are you doing this? If you are Kriffe, and you don't want that. So you want to be a lukewarm, acceptable, liked by everyone Christian. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. When everybody says, oh, you are so nice, you are so great, you are, there's something wrong with you. Because all men didn't like Jesus. How come you, all men like you? Are you a politician? Amen? Paul says, I'm not ashamed. The world should be ashamed of certain things. Go and look, I am told, pornographic sites with Legon students open. Doing all sorts of things. They have put it on the internet. They say, my name is this. These are the styles I can do. I can do this and that and that. And they are not shy. How much more the everlasting gospel, the life-changing gospel, the gospel that can even save murderers. We are ashamed. Going to international circles, they are doing gay pride parades. Gay pride, pride. They are proud to be whatever they are. And then we sit here ashamed of the gospel. The gospel that can make saints out of sinners. The gospel that can change the lives of even murderers like Paul. That Paul was saying was, was say that I was a murderer and injurious, but God had mercy on me. And we are ashamed. You are ashamed because if you say you are Crefe, you will lose your relationship with that girl. Hey, that girl is not worth following. If you have to replace her with Jesus, we are ashamed to come and say, come and taste of this life that I have found. The woman at the well, she had messed up her life. But just one encounter with Jesus, she went back into the city. And the Bible says she brought all the men of the city to Jesus. Something Jesus had not been able to do yet. Just a conversion of one woman brought all the men. By the way, not the women. Her, her usual place of operation was the men's territory. So she brought all the men to Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's because of so-called shame. We are, we, we, we are not confident to stand with God. We are not confident to raise up our hands and be counted. We are not confident to stand and say, yes, I believe in Jesus and I'm going all out. And I'm not ashamed. We don't have such Christians. Therefore, we can't even make disciples. God help us. Jesus said, if you are shy of me or you deny me, I will also deny you before the angels. If you are shy of me. We are not shy of even sin. When I was here, 
people used to narrow their roommates. Do you still use the word narrowing? And narrow their roommates so that some people can come and sleep in their rooms. You are not ashamed. One day I woke up at dawn, feeling very sleepy, stumbling to the bathroom. When I went, I saw a man with a big pot belly using the loo. I was so shocked. I thought I was dreaming. And in my innocence, I just went, ah! and I went to my room and banged the door. The man looked startled. He's like, ah, what's the big deal? He was not ashamed, but you are ashamed. You are ashamed to stand for Christ. You are ashamed to make disciples. You are ashamed to go and knock on somebody's door. And the person will say, oh, I don't want to know about Christ. At least you've done your part. But you'll be surprised. Many people are just waiting for us to go and bring the life-changing gospel. You see, when I see people becoming all sorts of things, for me, that is just um, proof of the existence of a problem. You see, when I see all the Legon people who indulge in all sorts of things, some of you sisters, in the night you are prostitutes, in the daytime you are students, amen? And uh, when I see all that, I don't really see their action. What the Lord always leads me to see is, what is making them behave this way? And what is making them behave that way is, they are looking for acceptance. Not just money. They are looking for acceptance so that when somebody wears shoes, they also wear. When somebody has this bag, they also have. When somebody, all that is a need for acceptance. A need for something. They are looking for fulfillment. They are look, that's why the woman at the well, she had had five husbands and still counting. So it's not the husband she had, but what made her go through five marriages? She was looking for something that didn't exist. Amen. And so are you, many of us, looking for things that are a mirage. So for me, it just stirs up compassion. And I, I, I want to reach them. When we were here, we did dumb broadcast in every single hall. And there are people standing today, some of whom are pastors, not only in Ghana, but all over the world, who gave their lives to Christ at that time. What was the reason? Because we were not ashamed and we went. One day we went for dumb broadcast at Volta uh, Hall. My husband was the president of that fellowship. And we decided that we've been having dumb broadcast and they are taking us for granted. So we'll now call the room numbers. And call the people out to give their lives to Christ. So say, L19, wake up. Wake up and give your lives to Christ, you know. So as we had shared everything, so as the preacher was going on, then some people would say, L21, L21, you may be fornicated now, but God is calling you. Hey, all of it was true. We didn't know. Another place, L12, you may be a bookworm, but God is saying that he comes before. It was all true. The next day, can you imagine the uproar in Volta Hall? It wasn't easy. And I was thinking, wow, my husband will not be able to come to this hall today. But he came fully. And every time he entered Volta Hall, from the Porter's Lodge, he would just be speaking in tongues. Hey, ka-ba-ba-ba-ba. Menda-la-ba-ba. Hey. And the one of the people says, hello, brother Doug. Say, hello, I'm blood bought. I'm demon casting. And I'm going to heaven. Hey. He was not ashamed of the gospel. He was so bold. And that is one of the key things that attracted me to him. Amen, somebody. Initially, I used to think, ah, but this guy, he's a bit overboard. Just hello to Kebala Mashan. Why? You can't say. But I realized that I myself at that stage was too cool about my Christianity. You know, and he was very open and because he said that, ah, sinners are doing all sorts of things. In Volta Hall, I used to meet some of my family friends grown-ups, my parents' age, and they are coming to chase girls in Volta Hall. When I see them and I greet them, oh, Uncle Cece, good morning. They look at me as if they don't know me. Then when I see them at home, they talk to me as if they know me. You know? And they were not all ashamed. Why should we be ashamed of the gospel? Amen. Another reason why we are not making disciples or preaching the word of God is we have prioritized as a church, I mean the body of Christ, the world's work for, of financial management, education, health, 
and we have left evangelism undone. Amen. Nobody has been tasked with the Great Commission except the Church of God. Other people have been tasked with other things. The Ministry of Water Resources is doing water. Ministry of Education is doing education. Ministry of Social Welfare and Labor, they are doing social welfare and labor. Ministry of Finance is doing finance and all that. But the church has gone to take on the work of Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Education, and Ministry of Water Resources. I am not saying they are not important, but that is not the primary work of the church. Amen? Jesus said this gospel shall first be published. We need to go back to what is first. When we leave and we start to teach financial management principles in the church, and we leave our work of making disciples, that work is left undone. And what happens is there are more laborers on the financial side, but no laborers on the side of evangelism and the making of disciples. And it is Satan's subtle way because financial management is not sin. Provision of water is not sin. In fact, Jesus said we should care for the poor. And we as a church, I'm, I am in charge of the orphanage of Lighthouse Chapel International. I'm in charge of the school of Lighthouse Chapel International. I'm in charge of the deaf, the blind, and prisoners. We believe in all that. But first things must come first. Amen. As soon as you change the priority of things, something has gone wrong. And Jesus said this gospel must first be preached. The gospel first. And if we as Christians leave that work, nobody is going to do it. The politicians are not going to do that work of evangelizing the world, evangelizing our country, evangelizing our communities. We are the ones who are called to make disciples. Amen. Another reason why we are not making disciples is we have allowed the word of God to be choked in our lives. We have allowed the word of God to be choked in our lives. Mark 4 verse 19. Mark 4, verse 19. Please, Mark is not in the Old Testament. And I'm running to the end, so don't worry. Mark 4, verse 19. Are you there? Some of you, you learn so much. You know where everything is. But as for the word of God, it's secondary to you. I'm reading from the message but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they had and nothing comes of it. Amen. Jesus was explaining that the seed casts among thorns that chokes it. They are the ones who hear the word but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they have to get. The stress strangles what they had and nothing comes out of it. King James says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the love for other things choke the word. So yes, we receive the word of God going into all the world. But the stresses of life and the cares of this world, the cares of this world are not sin. The cares of this world are legitimate things that you have to do. But we are not supposed to be overwhelmed by them. The curse of this world is paying school fees. The curse of this world is marital problems. The curse of this world is putting food on the table for your children. The curse of this world is your landlord asking you for rent. They are all curse of this world, but they can choke the word of God. Let me tell you, one of the places you can be most fruitful is this campus. When I was learning and looking at all the big law books, I said, Lord, I can't wait to be a worker. My life will be my own. At least when I work, it will be five to eight. It will be finished. When I go home, I'll have peace. And it will be more less complicated than being on campus. Beloved, this is the most easiest stage of your life. Enjoy it. Everything is programmed. You get up, you know that lectures are this time. You know that you eat at this time. In the real world, please, there's no timetable like this. There may be a timetable for work, but a timetable for the issues of life. There's no such thing. Now you are on your own. You are alone. You and your books. And you think it's a struggle? Wait till you have four children. 
two house helps, five co-employees, and three bosses, then you see that life can be more complicated than you thought. The cares of this world, they choke the word. Satan uses that to tell us, you know, you can't really evangelize. You know, you are now a pastor. You preach the word every Saturday and every, every time. You, 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 you can't really go and do door to door. Oh, you can't really do person to person. Oh, you can't really reach out to people, you know. You have so many things you are doing. It's a lie from the devil. And we allow the stresses in our lives, including the stress of having a beloved. It's very stressful to have a beloved. Oh. He said, you will come. You didn't come. He said, you, why did you use this word on me? Valentine's Day, you didn't mind. Stresses, stresses, stresses. And they can all choke the word. They are comparing you to someone saying, this is my roommate, Valentine's Day, her boyfriend who works at Talo Oil. He brought her chocolate. You don't have what it takes. All these things can cause stress, but it must not choke the word of God. Life is a fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Things don't just happen. To have a good marriage, you fight. Amen? You don't just sit there and say, oh, I believe God. I have a good marriage. That's it. To have a good Christian life, you don't just sit there, oh, I have a good Christian life. You fight. You fight the flesh. You fight earthly desires. You fight things that would choke the word. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. And we fight till the end. That's why when we go to heaven, we say, Blessed are they who die in the Lord for their works and they shall rest from their labors. Beloved, life is labor. I haven't talked about labor word issues. That one is even stress, but it's one event and then it happens and then, you know. So there are so many stresses in life. So your stresses on Legon campus, mark it somewhere. And then after a year or even six months after you started working, send me an email. The lady passed, you are a prophetess. Amen. So do not let the cares of this world, including your books, your books are important, but you can lead a balanced Christian life. You can have a time when you make disciples, where the Great Commission is important to you. Amen. We were students here. My husband was a medical student. I was a law student. Tell me they are easy courses. Tell me it doesn't involve anything. It does. But it was a fight. He would come from Kolebu and then he would go to the botanical gardens to wait on God. I believe that much of the work we see among men of God were birthed in the Legon gardens of here. Through much prayer, much intercession and much laboring in the things of God. Hallelujah. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. You sisters, most sisters are deceived. You think that riches will do something, riches will help you, riches will solve all your problems, but riches also can create more problems for you. God is not against riches, but he's against the love of money. And the love of money can choke everything in you. Amen. The next reason why we don't evangelize is because we are not fully persuaded about our faith. We are not fully persuaded about our faith. Amen. Romans 8.38 Hebrews 11.13 Romans 8.38 Hebrews 11.13 Amen. Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things past, nor things present, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. Amen. Can you say that you are fully persuaded? You are not fully persuaded about your faith. You are not fully persuaded. Any wind of doctrine can blow you. They say there's a prophetess here, then you are going. They say this, you are so engulfed with what you want that you cannot see what God wants. But I'm a living testimony of the fact that God says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I tell you, beloved, all other things, including things you have not prayed for, they shall be added unto you. 
I'm a living testimony of that. There are many things I never prayed for. I didn't know that there were prayer topics. Do you understand? When my husband decided to come full-time as a medical doctor, many people were crying, asking me, how do you feel, whatever. I thank God for the blessing of naivety because I didn't understand what they were saying. How are you going to live for tomorrow? Ah, but we will live. How are you going to fend for yourself? We will fend. It will be okay. It didn't occur to me. Now when I look back, I think I should have panicked. But somehow God gave a certain grace. So we just lived. We never prayed for international branches. We just knew evangelizing. Win souls, establish them. Win souls, establish them. And today, Lighthouse Chapel is more than 1,200 branches in 56 countries. I can't even meet preaching appointments. I cannot. Apart from Lighthouse and then outside Lighthouse and all, that, and all the things that God has done, I could never have prayed about them. But as you seek first his kingdom, he truly adds all other things unto you. Amen. You have to be fully persuaded. Because when I decided also to come full time, to give my life to changing lives, bringing people to Christ, whatever, people say, wow, how can you do two such professions and then you decide to go full time? Because I was fully persuaded about God's call. When doctors are becoming politicians, nobody is complaining. When they become preachers, it's a problem. Amen. You don't say they are wasting the nation's resources. But when they become pastors, they say, oh, after such a long course, they are wasting the nation's resources. Truly, they are rather changing lives for eternity. Amen. 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 And so we have to be fully persuaded. Abraham, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Be fully persuaded about the Great Commission. Be fully persuaded that the world needs us to change. Be fully persuaded that Jesus is the answer. There's no other answer. Can't you see? Be fully persuaded that you are the one that God is relying on. And that without you, many, many, many will go to hell. Be fully persuaded. Amen. And Hebrews says that these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them. These people, they didn't even see. That's another level of faith. They didn't see the things they were believing for, but they were fully persuaded and they embraced them. Amen. And that is how you and I have to be. Another reason why we are not making disciples is because we are not shining like the light of the world. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see you and give glory to your father who is in heaven. When people perceived the apostles, they said, ah, these are Christians. They even gave them the name Christians, followers of Christ. But you, when we see you, we don't know what you are. You are half Christian, half worldly. You are three quarters Christian, quarter worldly. You are three quarters worldly, quarter Christian. We don't know where you stand. Amen? You don't have any light that is shining. You are as dim as doom so. Amen? There's no difference between a Christian and the world. We dress like the world. We lie like the world. We cheat like the world. We behave like the world. We divorce like the world. We fight like the world. We are unforgiven like the world. How can we make disciples? How can we make disciples? We are not allowing the power of God to change us. In our time, when people became born again, they were transformed forever. Like Bishop Duncan Williams. They went off drugs. They stopped smoking. Immediately, the power of God will hit them and change them. But now, you say you have come to give your life to Christ. You say, this, the Bible didn't say by coming forward. Coming forward is the first step. And then growing in Christ is the next step. But that's not happening. How can they see? There's no light. There's no difference between our lives and their lives. But if we will allow the light of the gospel, the light of the Savior to come into our lives, we shall truly be transformed. May the Lord help us. Amen. And I'm ending. Finally, we are not heavenly minded. We are not heavenly minded. Hebrews chapter 11 again, verse 16. Are we there? 
But now they desire a better country that is unheavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen. They desire a better country. Do you desire a better country? I have my doubts. You desire America. You desire Germany. You desire Italy. Your greatest prayer is, Lord, let them grant me the visa. But as for visa to heaven, it's not part of your thinking. Visa to heaven is not something that is on the top of your mind. When you hear that somebody has gone to America, you say, hey, he's blessed. In my short life that I've lived, I had many friends in Legon. Some of them were not, were not from wealthy families. Some of them were not even from average families. Some of them were from very poor backgrounds. If you looked at them on campus, you couldn't tell what the future held. But they were all our brothers in Christ, and we all walked in the things of God. Some of us were privileged, such that our fathers could just buy us tickets. Oh, go sightseeing here. Go and see here. But some of our friends were not. And as we all walked together, you could easily think, how will they get a breakthrough? What will God do? But as we've left campus, and God has given us the grace to continue serving him, Someone like Bishop Saki, when he was coming, he was in Sabah Hall here. Even suitcase, his mother could not afford. So he had ideal milk carton. He had folded his things and put in there. That was where his things were. His father had never looked after him. His mother had humbly tried to look after him. We went to law school. The story continued. But as he served God, continued to preach the gospel. Today, there's no country he has not been in. He doesn't have to do any connection to get any visa. It doesn't matter who your mother is or who your father is. It's just that you desire a better country. If this world is your only hope, hey, you are doomed though. Look at it. This is a park. We are sitting in red sand. Amen? It's a park. That's Ghana. Our standards. If this world is our only hope, we are of all men most miserable. This world is not our home. And we used to sing songs like that all the time. I have another world in view. My Savior has gone to prepare me a place. I have another world in view. But now we don't hear that. All that we hear is, don't let me go empty-handed. Amen. We just want the blessing. Let the blessing come. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. That's all we know. We have built everything on earth here. Life has gotten better. In our time, there were no mobile phones. There was no iPad. No iPhone. Nothing like that. The phones didn't work. We wrote. Every time you are writing, you write to your beloved like Paul. Your beloved also writes back. Then you post it. It takes about two weeks. Then it will get there. By the time it gets there, the news is old and obsolete. But that was it. But we are building our lives here. I want a PhD. After that, I'll become this. After that, I'll become that. There's nothing wrong with it, but all our minds are geared towards that. I want a good marriage. You will never find a perfect partner here. Because you yourself, you have come with your imperfections into the marriage, so it will manifest fully. Amen? Amen. And that's why the Bible says, and God shall wipe away their tears. Let me promise you, Legon students, there are a lot of tears to be shed. You haven't shed a lot here in life. So many tears. You will cry. The person you love most, sometimes he will break your heart and you also break his. Mercy. God has not created any man or any woman to be your all in all. Otherwise, the person is God and God should abdicate his throne. God has not created any human being to meet all your needs. There's nothing like that. You lose loved ones. Green leaves fall, brown leaves fall. Some of the people we're on campus here with, they are gone. Thank God they knew the Father and they prepared for eternity. What about you? What about you? There was a guy very prominent in the profane choir in the Commonwealth Hall. As soon as we finished school, the Lord called him home. But before we finished school, a few days before, we had an outreach in Commonwealth Hall and he gave his life to Christ. Thank God he prepared for eternity. Some of us are so 
worried about security, campus security. Lock the door. Are the security guards here? We have to have an SIC meeting about security. We have to do the. But you have no security for eternity, which never ends. You are not heavenly minded. Heaven is not even part of your thinking. As you are misbehaving, you don't think, what if God calls me in my sleep tonight? As I stand before him, what will I say? We are not heavenly minded. Otherwise, we would think that everybody must know Jesus. Everybody must come to the saving knowledge of Jesus because heaven is real and hell is real. If you love somebody, the best gift you will give to the person is the gift of salvation so that the person can escape hell. It is my greatest prayer for my children. I always intercede in my closet. And one of my sons just told, you know, I intercede so much for them. Sometimes I'm interceding and when you come and see me, you think I've committed some crime. I'll just be weeping. Lord, save them, touch them, Jesus, you know? I just want to make sure. And one of my sons told me, Mommy, I had a vision. In the vision, you were lying down on the rug by your bedside, and you were crying and interceding for us, and it was so real. But I said nothing, I just smiled. Because the greatest thing is not for them to do the medicine and the law that they are doing, but for them to know Jesus. And they know him. But my prayer is that they may stay on that narrow path because the world is becoming more and more sick, more and more worldly, more and more depraved, and only Jesus can sustain them. And let me tell you something I've never told them. I bow my knees always and I say, God, use them, not for them to become this or to become that, but to preach your gospel everywhere. That is my heart's desire because eternity is so real to me. What about you? Do you have heavenly values? Do you have an expectation when you meet him? Do you have an expectation that joy that will fill your heart when you meet him? Do you have an expectation such that you have to pull out of, the, out of hell certain people who are destined from there? I pray that this morning the Lord will minister to you and cause you to put your priorities right and cause you to repent before him and stop playing church. The church is full, but the laborers are few. The Christians are many, but laborers, they are few. Matthew 9:23. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Look at us all here. We are all churchgoers. But laborers, no. We don't put our hands to the work. We don't go to the fields to bring as many as we can to Christ. We don't intercede in our prayer topic that people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus unless there's a special program. We don't have any burden for the lost. The laborers are truly few. And I pray the Lord of the harvest that this morning he will raise laborers amongst you. Laborers who don't necessarily have to do just stage ministry, but laborers in your closet, laborers in your lecture halls, laborers in your rooms, laborers in the bus where you go. May you labor for the Lord. And indeed the Bible says, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Stand to your feet. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Every eye closed and every head bowed. I don't care whether you are a Christian. I don't care whether you have a big title. I want you to talk to Jesus now. Ask him to give you a burden for the lost. Ask him to make you heavenly minded. Ask him to make you spiritual and not a carnal Christian. And above all, ask him to make you a laborer in the great commission and in the last harvest. Pray to him. Ask God to use you. Talk to God. It's not, we are not in a cemetery. We are in the presence of God. Open your mouth and talk to God. Oh God, forgive us. We have gone our way. We have made idols. We have loved ourselves more than your word. Forgive us, Lord, and touch our hearts. Give us a change of heart. Direct our hearts into the love of God. And help us to put you first, to seek you first, to go into the harvest and to make disciples. Oh, Jesus, help us to be heavenly-minded. Deliver us from the things that choke your word. Deliver us from the things that make us unfruitful. Jesus, let there be a cleansing. A new beginning. 
in the name of Jesus. Continue to pray. And if you are here this morning, all that I said doesn't even apply to you. Because you don't know Jesus as your savior. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know Jesus as my personal savior. I want to respond to this call. Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. But this morning, Lady Reverend, I want to be sure. Lady Reverend, I need to be more serious than I've been. I want to rededicate also my life to Christ. You are here like that this morning. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Wherever you are standing, just put up your hand and I'll pray with you. You want to make a commitment to God. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to be sure you are here like that this morning. Just put up your hand wherever you are standing. God bless you. I see your hands. There are many more hands that should go up. Bless you. God bless you. I'm bargaining for your soul this morning. And if you have put up your hand, I want to pray with you, Father. Just touch them wherever they may be standing. If you put up your hand, take one more step. Come to me. Come to me. Come to where I'm standing. You put up your hand. Come. Come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Come forward. If you put up your hand to receive Jesus. I saw many hands. You are not ashamed of the gospel. Come forward to where I am. Let's encourage them as they come. Come to Jesus. Come to the ever-flowing streams of water. Come. 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 He's waiting. He's waiting. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't condemn you. Oh, come. There are many more. We are waiting for you. Come quickly. This is the decision of your life. Come quickly. Come quickly, whatever you may be standing. Come running. Come running to the mercies where Jesus is falling. His love will be uncovered. Flow freely. It will come. Come to Jesus. Encourage them. Encourage them. The mercy sea. I'm running, I'm running. Come running, we are waiting for the last time. Just join them. Where Jesus is calling, his blood will be our covering. His love will. If you come to the front, it will. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, everybody. And if you've come to the front, may I beseech you, uh, humbly beseech you to close your eyes and say this prayer after me. Mean it with all your heart. God is very proud of you. Heaven is rejoicing for the step you've taken. Just say this prayer after me. Jesus, this morning, I come to you just as I am. Take my life and make me a new person. Thank you for coming to die on the cross. Save me from my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Jesus, today I take a landmark decision. I change my direction. I invite you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for eternal life, which begins with me today. And thank you for the future of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for these that have made a commitment to you. Thank you for the boldness and the courage with which they have come. I pray for them that they may not fall by the wayside. I resist every plan of the enemy against them. I pull down every stronghold in their lives that are not of you. I pray that they will stand. And not only will they stand, Lord, but through them, many, many, many will be turned to righteousness. Thank you for the plans you have for them. They are plans of prosperity and not of disaster, to give them a future and a hope. Thank you that you will keep them until that day. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. It's greater than first degree. It's greater than an award. God bless you for taking this step. And please follow our brethren and humbly do as they ask you to. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.